Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy. I'm going to be talking UFC Vegas 38, Tiago Maheda Santos versus Johnny Walker. And it's going down tomorrow, Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada, live at the UFC Apex. You got two of the most destructive and vicious knockout artists in the 205-pound division, locking horns, a battle of two Brazilians. And uh, I have a feeling these guys aren't going to show each other too much respect. I think they're going to go right after it. And I would be shocked. I would be very surprised if this fight doesn't end with a brutal, devastating knockout knockout on either end. Um, I know sometimes when you have those kind of expectations, you can get that staring contest and these guys, you know, guys that respect their power, uh, the power coming on either side and this and that. But I just don't see that being the case here, man. I truly believe that these two are going to go after it. And neither guy uh, has, you know, A1 durability either. So someone's going to hit the deck. And for that reason, it's going to be such an exciting fight. So going to break down this whole car start to finish. Going to plug the, the sponsors, Manscaped and Prize Picks. Going to answer y'all's questions. And everybody comment in the chat. If anybody wants to hop in here with me, go one-on-one. Ask me any questions you want, just like last time. You're more than welcome to. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Make sure y'all share this. Hit that retweet button on Twitter. I truly appreciate everybody being here with me. So first off, let's talk about a couple things before we get started. So if you got any questions, if you haven't listened to the last two episodes and you're tuning in now for the first time and you got questions about, you know, the year I've been having betting wise and stuff like that, hit that pause button, go back to the Ryan Spann versus Anthony Smith episode. Listen to the first 10, 15 minutes. I answer everything there about my, my passions, my aspirations, all that stuff. Uh, it all gets answered there. You got any questions regarding Shaq not being here? Hit the pause button. Go listen to the UFC 266 Volkanovsky versus Ortega episode. I cover all that in the first 10 minutes of that episode. So all your questions get answered uh, on those last two episodes. So now that that stuff is behind me, now I'm down to answer any other kind of questions y'all have. And I'm also really looking forward to breaking down these fights with y'all. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, obviously, like I mentioned, Santos versus Walker. Got Kevin Holland, his return. Let's see how that wrestling training's been paying off. Let's see if he's been putting in work. You got a welterweight battle between Nico Price and Alex Oliveira. I have a feeling that they're going to be a front runner for fight of the night. And the card is just stacked with some other good fights along the way. So I'm very excited to break it down start to finish. Uh, like I said, going to plug the sponsors, going to do the whole bit. But real quick, I want to give a quick shout out to my Atlanta Braves, clinching the NL East title for the fourth year in a row. I mean, you know, I'm used to the Braves winning so much, but it's more special this year when we lost a bunch of our best players and still found a way. And one thing about me is I stay loyal to my town, Atlanta, Georgia. You know, I, you're not going to see me if my team's in last place. You're not going to see me go root for, you know, the hottest team or, you know, whoever the new trendiest team that everyone's rooting for is. I, like, that's just not my thing. I stay loyal to my own. And that's the bottom line. So whether it's the Braves, the Falcons, the Atlanta United in soccer, even though I don't watch a single game of theirs, not that I watch a game of any other team, I'm just saying you're not going to catch me dead rooting for anybody else except for Atlanta sports teams. So 
doesn't matter how much they let me down but shout out to the braves man it's so good to see them back in there y'all like this custom braves hat only 50 of these made on planet earth so you know we got to rep it so let's break down this car start to finish but first gotta give a massive shout out to uh to our sponsor manscape my boy brian said unsubscribed i'm sure he's a, a fan of another sports team hey i stay loyal to my own my guy i'm not out here on the bandwagons or doing any bullshit like that so whether we're in first place or last place our it's atl till the day i die baby all right so let's get down to business with manscape real quick so do you know what's spookier than seeing a black cat on halloween it's shaving your balls with anything other than manscaped when it comes to below the waist grooming there's no need to carve your pumpkins this halloween because manscaped is here to upgrade your grooming experience go from a bite-sized candy bar to a king-sized candy bar and join the two million men worldwide by going to manscaped.com for 20 percent off and free shipping with the code battle 20 make sure y'all do that trust me i highly recommend these products and you know for example we were talking about kevin holland for the longest time. I mean, this guy is ready for any short notice opportunity. Manscaped will get you ready for these short notice opportunities. And fellas, when one of the girls you're seeing sends you that text about how, uh, am I the only one you're doing raw? Now, listen, there's only one correct way to answer this question. And it's, of course, babe, do, do not, and do not bring up the fact that you brought, you know, do not bring up the fact that you took a ring girl to the 311 concert last week and purposely ran into your ex-girlfriend just to make her jealous. Do not bring up any of that. It will not do you any favors. So simple answer. Of course you are. And that's all I got to say. And the manscaped ball deodorant. I mean, this thing gets a lot of mileage, man. I mean, it's one thing to smell good upstairs. You got your cologne, you got your deodorant, you got your body wash. I mean, you're taking care of yourself, right? But the ball deodorant, I don't think anyone else does this. And let me tell you, it goes a long way. So today when I get off this podcast and I go meet up with her, we're going to go see uh, the new Sopranos movie. Uh, it's called The Many Saints of Newark. I'll give you a review after I see it. Hopefully it's good. I'm sure it will be. Uh, you know that we're staying prepared for any opportunities that may arise before or after the movie. Back in the day, it used to be during, but you can't be doing that shit no more, right? So pro most likely after. But I got to say, have you ever tried to trim your balls and it turned into a Freddy Krueger film? Well, luckily, Manscaped is here to save the day and make sure you're smelling fresh with their new refined body wash. Like I was telling you all, guys, it's about the complete package here. The ladies love their signature scent and it will scare away all them vampires. Unlock your confidence with the Performance Package 4.0. Inside you'll, inside, you'll find the holy grail of men's grooming items. They made it easy for you to upgrade your grooming routine. It's, it's a full moon out, and the werewolf in your pants is howling. It's time to tackle that problem with the Lawn Mower 4.0. That's what I got in my hands right here. I mean, I got two of them. You know, one to shave the head, one to shave downstairs. I mean, you got to be prepared no matter what. Like I said, if Kevin Holland's ready for a short-notice opportunity, why can't you and I be ready? So we stay ready with Manscaped. And their finely tuned uh, Pew products feature a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is easily the greatest ball trimmer on the market. And did I mention the trimmer is waterproof too? This trimmer is a shower essential, and it's got that LED light, so if your power's out, it doesn't matter. Now, 
one thing I got to bring up is the performance package 4.0 also includes the weed whacker. And that's a total game changer to your men's hygiene arsenal. The weed whacker is a nose and air here, a nose and ear hair trimmer that provides proprietary skin safe technology that prevents sni- uh, nicks, snags and tugs in those delicate areas. And I got to tell you, look, if you got nose and ear hair, there's nothing wrong with that, but there is something wrong with not addressing it, and that's where Manscaped comes in. So seal the deal with Manscaped's liquid formulations. And you know I got them right here. We got the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. Guys, this is what I've been hyping up the most. I mean, this stuff right here totally changes the game. We'll keep you staying ready. Make sure y'all hit them up and get this uh, Crop res- uh, Preserver. Also got the Crop Reviver ball toner and you know it'll make sure your pumpkins stay fresh trust me when i say this fellas your balls will thank you manscaped even threw in two free gifts uh to the performance package 4.0 the manscaped boxers and the shed travel bag i personally like the boxers a lot for jujitsu i think that you gotta kind of use that light fit that they have so i love it for jujitsu and the shed travel bag you know kind of like a toiletry bag to make sure you can take all your manscaped products together whether you're traveling whether she invites you over last minute whatever the case may be stay ready guys if you're looking like wolverine and haven't cut your nails recently be sure to look into the shears 2.0 nail kit they have a bunch of other life-changing products on their website so be sure to check it out Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. Say trick or treat to your beautiful new Halloweeny with Manscaped. Thank you, Manscaped. So remember, y'all, go to manscaped.com. Use that promo code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. Highly, highly recommend it. All right, let's see what y'all are saying. Then we're going to break down some fights start to finish. Uh, my boy Andy said I got that fresh shave. I know. Listen, I was digging the beard, but I got kind of sick of it. I'm one of these guys. It's not that I'm indecisive, but I'm very decisive in terms of like, okay, I'm sick of the beard. Now it's time to go clean shaven. In a week, I might want the beard back. So we'll see what happens. Luckily, I can still grow hair on my face, right? So First up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Alejandro Turbo Perez. He's 21 and 8. He's taking on Johnny Eduardo, who is 28 and 12. And currently, they got Alejandro Perez minus 225. The comeback on Johnny Eduardo is plus 190. So, uh, real quick, my boy Shark is asking me, did the do I think the Aspen Lad gets uh, fight gets pulled? It already did get pulled. That fight's canceled, so don't you don't you don't even got to worry. We ain't gonna waste your time with that. So let's talk about Alejandro Perez and Johnny Eduardo. So I'm always gonna have a soft spot in my heart for Johnny Eduardo. Reason being is before I was even on Twitter, before I, you know best fight picks even existed, half the battle even existed. This guy went out there and cashed a plus 750 ticket for me against Eddie Wineland. I believe it was on the Matt Brown versus Eric Silva fight card. And it ever since then, I was like, shit, well, maybe I can cash dogs. Maybe I can cash bets. And ever since then, I'm, I've had a soft spot for him. And not to mention uh, Johnny Eduardo. They call him Coach Johnny because he was the Muay Thai striking coach for Nova Unia, you know, responsible for you know, champions like Jose Aldo, guys like Hen and Burrell back in the day, uh, Leo Santos, right? Uh, they got a bunch of killers there. 
past and present at Novo Niao. And Johnny Eduardo was one of the founding guys of that camp, specifically for the striking skills. I mean, he's got Muay Thai tatted on his stomach, right? So the guy can bang. The only issue with my boy Johnny Eduardo is uh, he is kind of getting up there in age. I mean, to be exact, let, let, let me tell you exactly what his age is. I mean, my dude was born in 1978. I believe off the top of my head, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that means he's 42 years old. So Coach Johnny is getting up there in age. And if this was heavyweight, it, it wouldn't be as big of a deal. But when you're talking about the lighter weight classes, uh, you age fast in those because speed is such a big thing to to carry at those lighter weight classes. So 42 years old at Bantamweight, I mean... That's an old man, but he's still going to be dangerous the first five minutes or less, man. I mean, you can still throw bombs. It's just when he starts to fatigue, that's when, you know, the chances of uh, him not only looking for a way out, no disrespect to Coach Johnny or getting caught with something significantly rises. And with Alejandro Perez, he's taken some time off since that brutal knockout loss against... Uh, uh, against your dong song. My boy Matt says he's 43. So shit, you know, you see what I'm saying? The guy is getting up there in age, especially at Bantamweight. So Alejandro Perez took a bunch of time off after that fight against uh, your dong song. And I mean, I don't blame him. To me, I view that as, well, you're doing the right thing because now we know his chin's going to be fully rested. We know he's going to be healed. We know he's going to be feeling good. So I don't really view it as, oh, he's coming off this long layoff. I mean, we're talking about a guy in Alejandro Perez. This is this is about to be his 32nd pro fight. So this is not some spring chicken. Um, th this is a guy who's coming in there and he's had a lot of experience. He's taking some time off now, but he's still the younger, fresher guy. I mean, he was born only a month before me. My, my birthday is actually next Saturday. Uh, the same night, my boy Jared Gooden's fighting Randy Brown. Very tough fight, but hey, you know, my friends got balls. My friends are risk takers. So let's see what happens there. But uh, Alejandro, he's uh, 32 years old, and I think he's going to come out here a little bit rejuvenate, rejuvenated. Look, he's just got to look out for this, for this early going, man, because we know that Johnny can crack. We know that Johnny hits like a truck. We know Johnny's experienced, but if Alejandro can get get past these first two minutes, excuse me, first five minutes, I think what he can do is either weasel out the decision, which he's had an ability to, uh, he's had a good ability to, to do, uh, I don't know why I can't say that, a good ability to do throughout his entire career or actually potentially get a finish in the second and third round. I would not be surprised by that either. So my pick is going to be Alejandro Perez to get this one done. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, in the women's Bantamweight division, we got a match between Shayna Young. She's 7-3. and three. She's taking on Stephanie Egger, who is 5-2. And, and currently, they got Stephanie Egger minus 120. The comeback on Shayna Young is plus 100. Um, I mean, I guess I kind of view it like striker versus grappler. I think on the feet, Shayna Young probably has the advantage. But if Stephanie Egger can get this to the mat, it might actually be over relatively quick or she's going to rack up a bunch of top control. The reason being is she does have some judo credentials in her back pocket, but the ground game of Shayna Young needs to catch up, man. I mean, she was out here getting submitted by Sarah Alpar. That is not a good look in today's uh, in, in today's uh, UFC. So got to go with Stephanie Egger here. Look, not the most confident pick in the world because this is for UFC standards, a very low level fight, but 
I think that there's a big advantage on the mat for Egger. So I'll, I'll pick her to win for that reason. And interestingly enough, the books actually open Shanna Young, the favorite. So maybe they know something. Maybe they're right. But I'm going to go with Egger to, to grind this one out and potentially get a submission. Now, next up. Also in the bantamweight division, we got uh we got three bantamweight fights in a row. We got Douglas De Silva DeAndrage, and I think his full name, because it it's always fun to say, I think his full name is Douglas Silva De Silva DeAndrage. Uh, he's taking on Gaetano Perello, who is fifteen and six. Douglas is twenty six and four, and currently they got. Douglas De Silva minus two forty. The comeback on Gaetano Perello is plus two hundred. So. Uh, this is an interesting spot because I don't recommend laying minus 240 on Douglas De Silva, DeAndrage, even though he's the more experienced guy here. And in some spots, he'll actually come out there and surprise you. Even in that last fight, he lost um, against the the British kid, um, Le- uh, Leon. What, what's his name? Or Leron, excuse me. He made that fight a lot closer than a lot of people expected. So... He's got an ability to come out there and show up from time to time. He's also on the best Flintstone vitamins money can buy. It's just that, you know, again, we're dealing with a 36-year-old at Bantamweight. At some point, you know, the rug is going to be pulled from out from under him. The thing is, with Gaetano Perello, there's a big issue in terms of his takedown defense. There's also an issue with his chin. So that's what I'm worried about for him. It's just that at some point, one of these younger guys is going to catch De Silva when you least expect it. So could it be this time? Possibly. I mean, I could see Gaetano Perello being the, the, the hungrier guy in the spot, but both guys at their best, I, I got to go with Douglas De Silva. It's just, I personally don't feel comfortable laying a minus 250 price tag on a guy like that. So I guess that means his dog or pass, but I'm just going to personally pass, uh, sit back and, and enjoy it. I mean, Douglas E. Silva back in the day, he even beat Cheeto Vera. So he's got some wins under his belt. Um, he had a good fight with two Kugov back in the day uh, when both of them made their UFC debuts and Gaetano Perello. Look, Gaetano has been in there with some tough guys. He's been in there with Ricky Simone. He's been in there with Arnold Allen. Granted, he lost both those fights, but at least he's battle tested. So you got to give him credit for that. Maybe one day he'll put it together. Maybe this weekend is that day. I just personally, pure pick, got to go with Douglas De Silva, DeAndraj. Oh, excuse me, Douglas Silva, De Silva, DeAndraj uh, to get it done. Now, this one I'm very excited for because next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Jamie Malarkey. He's 13 and four. He's taking on Devante King Cage Smith, who is 11 and two. And currently, they got Devante Smith minus 150. The comeback on Jamie Malarkey is plus 135. So, What's so interesting about this matchup here between Devontae Smith and Jamie Malarkey is that, I mean, look, Devontae Smith's the better athlete. Devontae Smith hits harder. Devontae Smith has the higher ceiling. It's just that uh, Devontae Smith from time to time will lose to guys that he has no business losing to. And this isn't a one-time thing. I mean, you watch that John Gunther fight, and it's like, I know he was teeing off on him in the early going, but it's like, how are you going to gas out against a guy like that and then get finished? Um, yeah, it was a rookie mistake, was what it was. But then when you go into a fight like the comma worthy fight, I'm thinking like Devante, we're going to knock this guy out in the first round, right? And he was like the biggest favorite on the car. He got caught there. So it's like he's got all these advantages here again. It's just, is he going to let you down? Now, I'm personally under the assumption that Devante is improving. I mean, look, that last fight uh, against... Um, What's the name of the bald dude that that bet all his 
purse against Charles Rosa and and lost a split decision. Um, against the bald dude, you got uh, James, Justin James, him. So when when Devontae fought Justin James, despite it being you know, one of these kind of step downs in competition, I still felt like he showed a lot of aspects of his game because we're just used to him landing that one, two. We're just used to him, you know, showing off his calf kicks. But Devontae Smith showed off some big improvements in his ground game. I believe he got the full mount in that fight. Uh, so I- I'm happy to see him rounding out his game. And I'm hoping that he finally puts it all together because the thing about him is his ceiling is high. It's just about putting it all together. If he can do that, I, I think he can go far. It's just that Jamie Malarkey is that tough, rugged journeyman who, and when I say journeyman, I mean that with all due respect, but he's that guy that's going to go out there and test you. He's that guy that's going to take your best shot and keep going forward. He's that hungry dog who is uh, relentless. I mean, we're talking about a guy in Jamie Malarkey who is truly battle-tested. I mean, he's been in there with Volkanovsky already back in the day. It was actually a vicious, vicious, brutal knockout. Y'all got to see. Thank God Volkanovsky didn't throw that follow-up punch because, oh, my God, we don't know what would have happened after that. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, and Malarkey, that fight he had with Brad Riddell, unbelievable war. He even dropped Riddell in that third round. So Malarkey's a battle-tested dude. It's just one of them things where he's going to be much slower. Um, he's going to be getting hit a lot. At some point, he's going to get knocked out again. So I do got to go with Devontae Smith. It's just that my, my, my big concern, it's not necessarily that Devontae Smith is going to gas out per se. It, it's more so that he's going to underperform. That That's what I'm most worried about with Devontae Smith, right? Because I think he's got all the talent. I mean, you see the kind of shape he's in. I don't think that he's not out here running his miles. I don't think he's got a cardio issue. I think that, you know, maybe sometimes the expectations are too high. Maybe sometimes the pressure can get to a kid like that. Um, comma worthy fight being an example of that. The John Gunther fight, I think he got carried away. If he can just level up that maturity, I really do think that this kid can do big things. So I'm going to go with Devontae Smith, but I am, of course, worried about this junkyard dog, Jamie Malarkey, making it that dirty, grimy fight, pushing him up against the fence, mixing in the takedowns, get him worried about the takedown uh, attempts, and then going upstairs and and, and stuff among those lines. So, yeah, my pick is going to be Devontae Smith. Uh, Doughboy said, damn, no Shaq. I I love the show either way, but is he done for good? Hit the pause button and go listen to the last 10 minutes of the last episode where I answer all that, my man. But I appreciate you being here. Just hit that pause button and come right back. All right. Last uh, first 10 minutes of the last episode. I I talk about all that. My boy 420 said uh, John Gunther, the phenom. You know, I mean, dude, John Gunther is a guy who's coming out here beating Devontae Smith. Uh, even survived the first rear naked choke attempt against Davi Hamosh, right? So um, John Gunther, uh, man, I'd love to match up my guy Robert Hale with John Gunther after he knocks out Dan Stitchkin. Uh, remember remember the guy that Stephen Wonderboy Thompson knocked out in his UFC debut with that brutal head kick, uh, Dan Stitchkin? Uh, my boy uh, Robert Hale is fighting him, I believe, October 23rd for B2. So after we knock out Dan Stickin, maybe we can knock out John Gunther too and then get a UFC call. Beach Money's asking me who I got, MVP or Lima. I mean, look, I think 
it was a pretty close fight until the knockout. Um, and but listen, I'm from ATL, so I'm a root for ATL. I don't got money on the line. I do got a little bias. I mean, the Lima brothers have always been so cool to me when I've ran into them at the NFC events, and um, they're just super nice guys. They also train with a bunch of my friends, and they've been helping out my guy, the rock star who I manage. So I'm not going to disrespect Douglas and pick against him. So I'm going to I'm going to root for him, but I, I don't have a bet on that fight. All right, let's see what else y'all are saying real quick, and then I'll move on to the next fight. Um, Shark says, can't back Chalk when Chalk got knocked out by Kama Worthy. I mean, yeah, but I backed him at Chalk against Justin James, and it was fucking easy-ass money. So <laughs> I think every fight is different, my man. Uh, so let's see. <laughs> Dominic says, Gunther can shave an alpaca with the best of them. I know, right? Where, what's he been up to, man? We haven't we haven't heard from John Gunther, John the Goat Gunther. All right, next up in the bantamweight division, man, we got a lot of bantamweight, to, uh, a lot of bantamweight fights on this card. We got Carol Hosa. She's fourteen and three. She's taking on the legend Bech Kohea, who is eleven and five. And currently, they got Carol Hosa. Holy shit, man! Minus six hundred. The comeback on Betch Kohea is plus 420. I had to make sure my, my glasses were right. You know, these are prescription glasses. So, damn. Minus 600. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was thinking about laying minus 350 uh, on her, but uh, God damn, minus 600. Look, it, here's the thing. So, we're sponsored by Prize Picks, and I'll get to the Prize Picks uh, read here in a second. So, I can't mention any other. Uh, fantasy sports outlets but if you know about this other fantasy sports outlet you know that carl hosa went out there and scored over 100 points in all three of her ufc fights i mean the first time we thought hey maybe they they miscalculated the numbers because there's no way she landed uh what was the exact number was it like 170 significant strikes or something crazy like that um yeah, 171 significant strikes against Procopio. We're like, yeah, yeah, no way that really happened. Next one, she goes out there, lands 120 significant strikes. Uh, very next fight, she attempts 175 strikes, right? So Carola Hosa has got beautiful and fantastic volume for this weight class, and she is going to score high on prize picks and on other fantasy outlets. So I love this girl, man. And, and Betch Kohea, listen, she's... I've, I'll always have a soft spot for my girl, Betch. Here, here's my only concern. It's more narrative-based than matchup-based. I mean, matchup-based, you got to go with Carol Hosa all day. She's got more volume. She's faster. She's younger. She's fresher. She's not in her uh, retirement phase of her career. So, I mean, you got the pick is Carl Hosa. It's just a couple concerns are she's minus 600, so there's not really much value left there. The other concern is this. Sometimes when you get two Brazilians in there, um, there's a bit of a respect factor, right? And I believe that Betch Cohea was one of the first Brazilian title challengers in UFC history. So I'm curious if, you know, Carol Hosa had a poster of Betch Cohea on her wall growing up, if she kind of grew up idolizing her. Y'all remember that Moicano versus Jose Aldo fight when Moicano just stared at Jose Aldo and asked him for a selfie and an autograph in the center of the octagon? That's the only shit I'm worried about, right? But if that doesn't happen, I think that Carol Hosa is going to absolutely light up Betch Cohea and possibly get a knockout along the way, but most likely another unanimous decision win. So give me Carl Hosa and hopefully she lands over a, uh, over a hundred significant strikes again. And Betch Cohea, I can't wait to hear this speech. You know, we'll, I'll always have a soft spot in my heart for Betch Cohea, right? 
Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Antonina Shevchenko, not Valentina, Antonina. She's 9-3. and three. She's taking on Scotland's own Casey O'Neill, who's 7-0. and oh. And shout out to my Scots, man. I went to Scotland when I was a kid, and it's such a beautiful place. The castles. I went to this, like, Halloween um kind of like a festival that they had and it was such a badass time such a badass experience so i hope i hope to go back to scotland once again sometime down the line it's been years since i've been there but anyways casey o'neill and shout out to all our scottish fans shout out to all our english fans our irish fans our welsh fans shout out to all y'all man we'll definitely have a have a drink at the pub sometimes when i when i, when I go down to the uk so we got Casey O'Neill minus 220. The comeback on Antonina Shevchenko is plus 184. So, I mean, I think we kind of know the dynamic of this fight. I think we kind of understand that on the feet, uh, Antonina Shevchenko is going to have the edge. In the clinch, Antonina Shevchenko is going to have the edge. However, on the mat, Casey O'Neill, I believe she just got promoted to brown belt. Uh, she's been doing her thing on the mat. Now, granted, the level of competition has not been the best. I mean, if you're in the UFC and you have not figured out how to beat Shanna Dobson yet, there's an issue. And Shanna Dobson does not just have a losing record in the UFC. She's got a losing record overall in MMA, sub-500 MMA. So, you know, beating her doesn't really tell me much. Procopio, no disrespect, also no longer with the company. So, this is actually a step up in competition for Casey O'Neill. I know that Antonina Shevchenko has been exposed on the mat more than once, but to her credit, it was all against uh, non, I mean, excuse me, to her credit, it was all against top 15 opponents. So at least she's losing to good people. I mean, Caitlin Chukagan was like the number one contender for the longest time. Uh, Andrea Lees, I think, is ranked number 12 in the world. Macy Barber, ha- uh, excuse me, not Macy Barber, uh, Roxy has a knack for the upset. Remember when she upset Macy Barber and and she even fought for a UFC title. So at least Antonina is losing to some respectable people. So this is going to be a test for Casey O'Neill on the feet and in the clinch for sure. And if she can't get this to the mat, wh- whether it's her not attempting to or whether her it's her not being able to, that's Antonina's path to victory. The path to victory is there. The reason I'm bringing this up is because when you're talking about a minus 220, a minus 230, I want advantages everywhere. And the advantage on the feet does not go to Casey O'Neill. That being said, Antonina on the mat, it's not a one takedown in the fights over shortly after situation, but it's a situation where she tends to not be able to get back up. She tends to let her guard uh, to get past. She tends to get mauled from time to time on the mat. Now, granted, she's very tough. I mean, to make it through that Chukagian fight the way that she did and not give up and not, you know, get finished. I mean, shit, that I, I tip my. I tip my my limited uh, <laughs> my limited edition Braves cap to Antonina for not getting finished uh, in that Caitlin Chukagian fight. But here, basically, the way I see the fight going down is Antonina is going to light up Casey O'Neill, hit her with big knees in the clinch until she gets taken down, and from there, that's going to be O'Neill's world. That's where O'Neill can possibly set up a submission, some ground and pound, or just ride out that top control for a decision win. But I'm not lying when I say I'm going to be nervous for the entire duration this fight stays standing. So before I talk about the main card, I got to plug uh, my new sponsor, Prize Picks. And real quick, uh, ooh, I can't, I'm, not, I'm not allowed to put that on the screen, my man. My bad, my bad, Prize Picks. Matt Drucker saying, how's Jamar Whitehead doing? Does he have a fight booked? Yeah, we're looking at uh, December. 
um, in this promotion called B2. He's going to welcome a kid who's making his pro debut. So end the year with a, with another highlight reel finish and end the year 2-0. and Jamar Whitehead, that's my bantamweight phenom, my prospect. Uh, yeah, um, saw him at the gym today. You know, he was actually getting some work in with Cody Durden, who's got a big fight coming up against the Mongolian murder. What, what's the name of the Mongolian murder? Um we just know the dude's a badass uh, that Cody Durden's fighting. We, none of us can say his name, but we know his nickname is the Mongolian Murderer. But yeah, Jamar was getting some working with Cody Durden. Was also getting some working with the Lima brothers before they went overseas, uh, you know, for this MVP fight that's about to happen later today. So yeah, Jamar's in good hands, and um, we're looking at December for his return. All right, so I want to talk to you all about my sponsor, Prize Picks. So in my opinion... Prize picks is changing the fantasy game in a way that's never been done before. And firstly, just so y'all know, you guys can receive an 100% instant deposit match up to $100 by using my code BATTLE or by clicking the link that's in the description down here on Prize Picks. So, for example, you don't feel like you know dropping 100 bucks, drop 25 bucks, they'll match you on the 25 using that code uh, BATTLE. You don't feel like dropping 100, drop 50, they'll match you on that 50. You do feel like dropping 100, They'll match you on that 100. You feel like going more, 250? Well, they'll give you an extra 100 to play with. So, But what's so cool about prize picks is I personally think that they're the simplest fantasy game on the market. My favorite thing about them is you can combine all kinds of sports with them. So, for example, you think that Tiago Maheta Santos this weekend is going to knock out Johnny Walker, but you also feel like you know Tom Brady is going to go over or under his projection well, shit, go ahead and combine them. You see what I'm saying? And what's so cool is you pick two to five players and can win up to 10 times on any entry. So it's not one of these things where you have to make a lineup of of six fighters and pray that things go right. You can do two people from two different sports, three, four, five, whatever the case is. So for example, last week, my play on prize picks was I had the under seven and a half minutes in the Jalen Turner fight. And I had it um, combined with, I forget if the Omar Morales fight went over or under seven and a half minutes, but whatever the correct one was, because I ended up cashing on it. I think it might've been over seven and a half and Omar Morales and under seven and a half and Jalen Turner ends up cashing. So it's really cool. And then for example, like yesterday, Austin Riley went out there, had a big night, had a, a nasty home run. He goes out there and he matches his, or uh, surpasses his projection. And then you mix it up. You think that Mahomes is going to fuck up. You think that, you know, one of these other quarterbacks isn't going to do as good as everyone says. You think that Julio Jones is going to play like shit ever since he left Atlanta. Well, take advantage of it year long, stack up those over unders and all the different kinds of things they got to work with, mix the sports together. And I mean, you can be cashing out big. Just make sure y'all use that code battle and listen, prize picks has no sharks optimizers or mass multi-entry so basically it's just you versus the projection and like i said guys prize picks allows mixed sports entries so you can take the over on tiago santos and parlay it with the under on patrick mahomes prize picks has a slick easy to use mobile app both on the app store and google play they also uh, are 4.8 star rated in the app store with great reviews so guys you gotta try prize picks today i highly recommend it make sure you all use my code battle for that instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars and uh i mean whatever y'all are feeling man i mean like i said 
this weekend, you think that Tiago Santos is either going to knock Johnny Walker out or get knocked out, take advantage of it. You got a sharp lean on one of these football games, take advantage of it. They even got contender series. They got baseball. They got every sport. And like I said, the best thing is you can combine them. And it doesn't have to be six people in the line. You can do two, three, four, five, whatever the case may be. So guys, highly recommend you give prize picks a try. I personally think they're taking over the fantasy sports game. Use my code battle or click or click the link in the description to get a hundred percent deposit match up to a hundred dollars. That's prizepicks.com. Download the app today. Main card time. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a match between Alexander Hernandez. He's 12 and four. He's taking on the newcomer, Mike Breeden, who is 10 and three. And currently, they got Alexander Hernandez, minus 550. The comeback on Mike Breeden is plus 410. So, you know, I know we've had our choice words about Alexander Hernandez because, I mean, to this day, I still think that Benil Dariush KO was a complete fluke. And if they ever ran it back, Benil Dariush would absolutely mop the floor with this kid. But to his credit, I mean, he's been thrown in there with the Sharks. He's been fighting tough competition. Even though I think that OAM fight was 50-50 going into the third round, OAM decides to flop to his back for a leg lock, gives up that top position, loses the decision. Even though Alex Hernandez had his pocket thesaurus, <laughs> my boy Leo wanted to come on camera. <laughs> My is my cute German Shepherd right here, isn't he fucking cute? He's uh he was born on Valentine's Day. This is my little this is my little man, but uh he's fucking growing, man. But anyways, even though Alex Hernandez had his fucking pocket thesaurus out for that um Cowboy Cerrone fight, and he completely disrespected a Hall of Famer and a legend of the sport. He's still getting some good experience. And even though that Trinaldo fight was one of the biggest robberies in the history of the sport, Trinaldo's a tough out. Even though, uh, you know, uh, Tiago Moises gave Alexander Hernandez a tour of the octagon, Tiago Moises is one of the best up-and-comers in the lightweight division. So this kid, one thing I got to give Hernandez credit for is he's battle-tested. Now, the way, the way we'll criticize him down the line, maybe not here, is that he kind of does go super hard in that early going, and sometimes he tends to fall apart when fights get tough. I mean, you remember that Drew Dober fight. He was able to get some takedowns early, but as soon as Drew Dober started putting it on him, I mean, he said no mas. I mean, it was a standing TKO, but really the ref saved him. So, uh, you know, it was one of those things. My boy Abu Dhabi said, que lindo este perro. Muchísimas gracias, hermano. Um, so, and, and the thing with Mike Breeden is, look, Mike Breeden's a tough guy. He's a durable guy. He's not bad. I mean, he's just solid. He, you know, he's all right, right? So real quick, because there was this big controversy. So Mike Breeden fought this kid named Romero on a contender series. And a lot of people were pissed that Romero didn't get signed. But Mike Breeden didn't get signed after contender series either. What happened was they sent both guys back to the regional scene. They said, hey, why don't you guys get a couple wins and then we'll sign you. And Breeden goes back to the regional scene. He gets a couple wins. So they signed him. Romero goes back to the regional scene. He ends up losing a fight. So he's coming off a loss. That's why Breeden got signed and Romero didn't. So y'all got to stop uh, with this bullshit. How did Breeden get signed and not Romero? It's because they both got sent back. One did what he was supposed to do and one didn't. That's why. But uh, here, listen, this is a fight where 
I personally don't feel comfortable laying minus 600 on Alex Hernandez, but I'm also not inclined to take the shot. I mean, Hernandez is so much more battle-tested than this kid. He's just better than this guy. So this is a fight where Hernandez is going to come out here and win. It's just a question of, is he going to get that first-round finish? Or is he going to kind of mix in takedowns, grind out a decision? Remains to be seen, but uh, the pick is Alexander Hernandez to get it done. And real quick, I want to say in 13 pro fights, Breeden's only been stopped once. Uh, he's been knocked out one time, so it could happen again. I mean, I'm not writing off the possibility. It's just um, I'm not exactly sure what method Hernandez is going to win by. I'm just more confident that that he gets the job done. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Joe Selecki. He's 11 and two. He's second on Jared Gordon, who is 17 and four. And currently, they got Joe Selecki minus 136. Or it depends where you look. I see a minus 150 somewhere. The comeback on Jared Gordon is plus 120. So interesting fight because I've been kind of high on uh, Joe Selecki. You know, I, I bet him in the Wyman fight. I bet him in the Jim Miller fight. I definitely picked him in the Austin Hubbard fight. And he came through in all of those fights. So, you know, I like Selecki. And I'm also very familiar with him from the regional scene because he, no disrespect. I believe he might have turned down a fight with my boy Robert King Hale, but it's all good. They'll get a chance to meet in the UFC maybe one day. Also fought, um, also fought Nicholas Mata, who my boy Robert King Hale knocked out. Interestingly enough, right? So, uh, yeah, I've known about Selecki since before the UFC days. What Selecki brings to the table is he's a very strong and dominant grappler. I mean, the guy's a legit jujitsu black belt, and I'd say his hands are getting better but his hands are not the strongest part of his game. And usually with Jared Gordon, who's also, I believe, a Henzo Gracie black belt, the thing with Jared Gordon is he's very strong when he gets on top of these guys. Now, don't quote me on this. I'm not the one saying this, but I've been told by other UFC fighters that train with Jared Gordon that when he gets on top of you, it's like Habib-level top pressure. Now, again, that's not Daniel Levy saying that. That's uh, some of my friends that fight in the UFC that have trained with Jared Gordon say, when this dude gets on top of you, you can't get him off of you. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because that last Selecki fight against Jim Miller, he actually went out there and pulled guard in the first round. I'm telling you right here, right now on half the battle, if Joe Selecki pulls guard against Jared Gordon, that's the end of that round. He's not going to be able to get back up. Now, on, on the flip side, it might have been smart of him to pull guard in the first round. The reason being is that this version of Jim Miller kind of only has one strong round in him, and then he tends to fade. So maybe Selecki was just like, hey, I'll just pull guard, I'll just hang on, and then I'll take over the second and third, and that's exactly what he did. I'm just saying, based off tape, if I see someone pull guard in their most recent UFC fight, and I know you're going up against not only a more experienced guy, but a guy who's known for being super heavy on top, that's a that's a cause for concern. The other thing I want to bring up with Jared Gordon, I've had success fading him in the past. You guys remember the Yoki and Silva fight. It was a sweat and a half, but that plus 180, plus 170, whatever it was, it came through. Is that uh, Yoki, uh, excuse me, is that Jared Gordon kind of maybe has a questionable chin? The only issue is that Selecki is not exactly known for knocking anybody out. In fact, he's only got one finish via strikes on his record. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it might have been a ground and pound TKO. I don't really see that being a path here. It's more so he's going to have to stack up the takedowns and grind out a decision. So this is a tough one. This is a tough one to call. So it's just like, do you see Joe Selecki stacking up the takedowns against Jared Gordon for extended periods of time? 
Maybe, maybe not. All I know is if Jared Gordon gets on top of him, I, I think he'll be the one that's able to kind of grind it out. And I actually think he's got better stand-up just in terms of more polished technique than uh, Selecki. But Selecki is getting better every single fight. So maybe this is the this, maybe this is the one where he puts his hands together and goes out there and knocks Jared Gordon out. Could be. But um, give, give me a Jared Gordon for the upset here. I think he's the more experienced guy. He's super heavy on top. If he can force these grappling exchanges and transition to the top position, I think he can stay there and possibly get two of the three rounds. Um, it's just... Uh, you know, you can't let a guy like Selecki take your back. You can't let a guy like Selecki get dominant positions on you because the guy will run you through the series, that's for sure. But I I'm going to go with Jared Gordon in, in kind of a split decision type fight here for the upset. Uh, next up in the middleweight division, we got Misha Sarkuna making that middleweight debut. He's 15 and 6, taking on Chris Christoph Jocko, who was 22 and 5. And currently they got. Hold on. My, my dog's acting a fool. <laughs> uh, currently, they got Chris Jocko, minus 150. The comeback on Misha Sarkunov is plus 125. So uh, this is interesting because I, I just don't know what to expect from Misha Sarkunov at middleweight. You know, one thing about him is technique-wise, I mean, on the mat, the guy's disgusting on the mat. Um, obviously, that Peruvian necktie, he hit on, um, on Jimmy Crute. You also got... The Nikita Krilov guillotine hit, the Iwan Kutalaba face crank. I mean, what was it? Iwan Kutalaba or was it Alex Nicholson when he, when he broke his jaw? I, th I think it was Alex Nicholson, but he also submitted uh, Iwan Kutalaba. So, dude's got some good wins. My issue with Misha Sarkunov is when the going gets tough, he tends to fold. People call it a chin issue. It might be a chin issue, but. I just kind of view him as kind of like a bully and kind of a front runner where if he's doing great, if things are going his way, then he's going to cruise to a victory. But as soon as any adversity presents itself, that's when Misha Sarkunov kind of folds. And with Chris Jocko, he's known mostly for being a point fighter, a point striker. He's able to keep it close and kind of edge out a, uh, a very closely contested decision on points. But from time to time, he will knock someone out. I mean, I remember cashing that plus 200 when he knocked out Tamden McCrory. So maybe he can touch Misha Sarkunov on the chin and get him out of there. Um, it, it's a tough one to call because you got that, you know, that early ground burst of Misha Sarkunov. I mean, the dude's a tank. The dude can come out there, blast W, um, get you in all kinds of submissions. He can run you through the series. It's just if you can make it to a point where you can test his heart, test his will to fight, test his, you know, just test that heart. Then I got to go with Chris Jocko. Because one thing I know about Jocko is the dude can take a beating as evidence in that fight against Sean Strickland. And just throughout his whole career, I don't think I've ever seen him quit. Um, so give me Jocko, but I'm not sure. Because I got to see, is Misha Zerkunov a brand new man at middleweight? Or is cutting those extra 20 pounds, is that going to make his chin not, not as not as good and it was already not good is that going to make his durability wane so i'm kind of sitting back and just seeing what goes down and going to enjoy it as a fan featured bout in the welterweight division we got nico the hybrid price he's 14 and 5 taking on alex cowboy Oliveira, who's 22 and 10 and currently they got nico price minus 190 the comeback on alex cowboy is plus 160 so i mean it's like I lean Nico Price, but Nico Price is a guy that I like to take as an underdog, not as a favorite. 
And I remember saying this when he fought the other cowboy and y'all were like grilling me about it. The fight ends up going to a draw. Um, now, Nico would have won had there not been a point deduction. But hey, still, yeah, Nico was chalk and didn't come through as chalk. The spots I like to take Nico as chalk in are kind of like against George Sullivan, where it's a guaranteed first round finish. If you put him in there with some guy on his way out, which you can argue Alex Cowboy is, but I mean, Alex Cowboy is such a seasoned vet, man, that, you know, Alex is one of these guys, he'll pin you up against the fence. He is super physically strong, and he will land some of the most devastating knees in the clinch that you've seen. He'll mix in takedowns. He's got one-punch knockout power. I mean, Alex Cowboy has been in there with all the best guys in the division. Nico Price, too. What I like about Nico lately is the volume has been piling up. It used to kind of be a situation where he was known for those opportunistic finishes that came out of nowhere. I mean, the dude's got a highlight reel. I mean, you saw the Randy Brown knockout. People call it a fluke because it was from bottom. Then he knocks out James Vick from bottom. He's got a knockout over Alex Morano. I mean, the guy truly has a highlight reel. But in that fight he had against Cowboy Cerrone and Vicente Luque, I feel like the volume is starting to pick itself up, and that's kind of a step in the right direction. I know the results haven't been what he wants in terms of wins and losses, but at least the style is starting to get to a point where maybe this guy is capable of winning decisions um, in certain fights. So what I kind of see this being is a three-round war, and if it comes down to that battle of wills, if it comes down to who wants it more, that's where I kind of see Nico Price edging it out. Um now, granted, there could be a finish along the way. Don't don't count out that possibility. I mean, Nico Price, don't blink, right? I mean, this is a guy that's known for getting knockouts out of anywhere. So the knockout is absolutely in play. I'm just saying, if this turns out to be a fight where it's one-to-one going into that third round, it's about who's going to dig deeper. I have kind of seen Nico Price dig deeper in those spots. One thing about Al- uh, Alex Oliveira, who... I'm a huge fan of Alex Cowboy. I mean, I think at this point he's a legend. Do you remember when he would kind of take a fight like every week? I mean, and he would just stack up those paychecks uh, and he's got the little dance going on. I'm a huge fan of Alex Cowboy. I, I always have been. So you just can't count out his veteran savvy. But from time to time, you know, you'll think that he could maybe fight off a choke a little more. He'll kind of tap quick from time to time or he'll be whooping on the Ansi Maderos and then just fall down. You know, there's certain things where you kind of question um, what happens when the going gets tough. So that's where I think Nico is the more resilient guy. So I'm going to go with Nico Price. It's just like I said, Nico's a guy I'd rather lay a dog price on unless it's guaranteed that this is a first-round finish like the George Sullivan fight. And I don't think that this is a guarantee that's a first-round finish. Let's see. Maybe it is, you know. But I'm going to say Nico Price uh, edges out a back and forth fight of the night type war between two legends. Let's uh, let's call them legends at this point because to, to me, you don't have to just win a belt to be a legend. I mean, you have to put on the kind of fights that the fans like to see to be a legend. Like I don't consider Tyron Woodley a legend. You know, I don't consider Aljamain Sterling a legend. You have to put on the kind of fights that the fans want to see. You have to call your friends and be like, hey, Nico Price is fighting. Alex Cowboy's fighting. Oh, shit, I want to watch that fight. You think anyone wants to watch a Tyron Woodley fight? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah. <laughs> My boy Dom said, also, Cowboy needs those weekly fights with 18 kids. Hey, my boy stays busy. I heard, wasn't there like something about, like he had like 11 kids on like the same uh, block or something like that with like 10 different baby mamas. I don't quote me on it. I know, I know I'm totally wrong, but something among those lines, Hey, he's getting it done. Uh, 
Alex, if you're if you want this, uh, he don't even <laughs> he don't even need the manscape ball deodorant. My boy is uh he's a true Brazilian cowboy. But give me Nico Price for the dub. I'm just worried about that price. I'm worried about the price on price. No pun intended. <laughs> 420 said Aljo the legend. I know. You know, Aljo, so he came out with this thing saying, guys, it's not my fault that Peter Yan illegally need me. Like, Peter Yan fucked up. You're, you're not going to get a debate from me about that. I agree. You're right. Peter Yan did fuck up. But why don't you go ahead and vacate that belt and let us all respect you? I say let us all respect you again, except you're, you know, seven fans who, you know, are on your dick or whatever. Um, you know, his family and friends won't stop rooting for him. I'm glad you got loyal fans, loyal family, loyal friends. Like, that's what's up. Good for you. But you know how much respect a guy like me would have? Because, look, what you need to understand is, yes, I might make these jokes and stuff like that. And I got all these people in my DMs telling me to shut the fuck up. And then before I can even respond, they block me. Fucking pussies. But, um, like... You got to understand that I acknowledge Aljamain Sterling as the number one contender. Like, I think he's proven that he deserves a title shot. He truly is the number one contender. Look at who he's beat. He beat Sanhagen. He's beat all these guys. Like, that's not the debate here. Like, there's no questions asked. He's the number one contender. The debate here is that I don't consider Aljamain Sterling to be the champion. I think that Peter Yan is the clear-cut best Bantamweight on planet Earth. He's the champion. So I think that the right thing to do would be go ahead and vacate that belt. We'll all gain a shit ton of respect for you if you if you have the balls to do that. But you know, instead he's parading around and doing the whole bit. But we'll get to that when the time comes. Oh, look, he pulled out of this fight October 30th. We saw that coming from a mile away. Um, Peter Yan and uh, Cejudo are the best bantamweights on planet Earth. And Aljamain Sterling, he's he's... He's the rightful number one contender. Look, I already lost one viewer on the show. That must have been Aljo's only fan, you know? I heard of you. Now, to quote Chael Sonnen, I heard of you. I didn't know you actually existed. But, ladies and gentlemen, this is Aljamain Sterling's fan. I heard of you. Co-main event of the evening in the middleweight division. We got Kevin Holland. He's 21-7. and seven. He's taking on Kyle Dawkins, who is 10-2. and two. And currently, they got... Kevin Holland, minus 154. The comeback on Kyle Dawkins is plus 130. Also see some plus 145s on uh, Kyle Dawkins. So I understand that Kevin Holland, to some people's point of view, got exposed. I think the wrestling issue was there prior to that. I mean, y'all remember the Darren Stewart fight? Y'all remember even Jacare took him down easily? He was uh, Kevin handled that accordingly. But, you know, the Brendan Allen fight. So it's not like that. those were the first times that, Kevin Holland's been taken down. It's just that the caliber of fighter that Vittoria and Brunson are now. I mean, these guys are ranked in the top five, right? So when you get to the top five, these and you have any kind of weakness in your game, these guys are going to expose it. I mean, that that's just the bottom line about it, right? So now, one thing I got to say about Kyle Dawkins, um, you know, I'm not going to be a dick and be like, oh, he's not like his brother. Well, he's not like his brother. I mean, his brother is a top 10 guy. But Kyle Dawkins is a tough, durable dude. I mean, Kyle Dawkins can take a whooping, keep coming forward. The guy's got no quit in him whatsoever. I mean, you saw that fight he had against Phil Haas, and I mean, Phil Haas gave him every reason to look for a way out, and the dude just wouldn't wilt, man. So, um, and also Phil Haas took some shots in that fight and kept going forward. I think I think y'all got to give Phil Haas some credit. I think he's going to knock out a midget next week, but we'll talk about that soon. But uh, Kyle Dawkins is just a tough 
durable kid. And in his four octagon appearances, that's including contender series, he's landed seven takedowns. So, I mean, there's a chance he can take down Kevin Holland. It's just that I kind of view Kevin Holland currently in a different class, in a different league than Kyle Dawkins. And maybe I'm way off on that. Maybe it only takes one takedown per round and Kyle Dawkins can kind of seal this thing. I mean, he is a black belt, right? So maybe there's that possibility. But I do kind of think that Kevin Holland's a little bit too dynamic for him. I do think that uh, Kevin Holland can come out here, possibly stuff these takedowns, and then just use that long-ass reach, go out there, and um, get back on track. So my pick is going to be Kevin Holland. And, you know, I, I feel like if this fight was matched up after the Darren Stewart fight and prior to the the two losses he had against uh, Brunson and Vittori, that Holland would be a bigger favorite. I mean, if, if you look at it, guys, like, let me see what the line was with, with Brunson and Holland. One, one second. Because I'm pretty sure off the... Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Kevin Holland was like minus 225 against Brunson, right? So people had, you know, high expectations of him against a top 10 guy there. But because of that loss, because of the Vittori loss, two top five guys, now he's only about minus 150-ish um, against Kyle Dawkins. So had those two fights never happened he'd be in the minus twos and the minus threes here against Dawkins. So are we getting a discount or has the market just adjusted itself and caught up to those holes in his game, which I thought those holes were exposed in previous fights. So that's the big question here. And is Kyle Dawkins even good enough to come out here and not just maybe land one takedown, but to actually exploit this throughout the 15 minutes? That's the big question. So I do respect Dawkins' toughness. I think that he's going to go on to win some UFC fights. But Saturday night, I'm going to roll with Kevin Holland to get the dub. So I think he gets back on track. And hopefully, he's been addressing this uh, issue he has. Let's see what happens. And one thing about Kevin Holland, always ready for a short notice opportunity, just like you'll be if you use Manscaped problem. Uh, <laughs> just like you'll be if you use Manscaped products. Make sure you'll go to manscaped.com. Use that code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. All right, here we go. Main event of the evening in the light heavyweight division. We got Tiago Majeta Santos. He's 21 and 9, taking on Johnny Walker, who is 18 and 5. And currently they got. Tiago Santos minus 158. The comeback on Johnny Walker's plus 134. So interesting fight. Two Brazilian bangers. I mean, you got a guy in Tiago Santos who has got some of the most knockouts in UFC history, whether it's head kicks, whether it's body kicks, leg kicks, I mean, punches, knees. This guy is destructive. This guy is an animal. I mean, he's got the hammer tatted on his chest. Maheta, that's what that stands for in Portuguese. Um, Maheta is a bruiser, man. And then you also got Johnny Walker, who is a very dynamic, athletic, flashy finisher. I mean, the flying knees. Also, that head kick he landed on Khalil, followed by that elbow and the tie clinch. That was a nasty finish by Johnny Walker. So, you know, I, 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 Enjoy watching both guys fight a lot, and I think that they're both awesome and they are fully deserving, uh, fully deserving of this main event spot. But there are a few criticism uh, criticisms I have to make on both sides. So, in my personal opinion, do you guys remember when Johnny Walker knocked out Misha Sirkunov and he, you know, he, he did that funny ass celebration and then he injured his shoulder? I kind of don't feel like he's looked the same since that injury. Um, now, granted, you could say, well, he fought Nikita Krylov and, 
you know, um, Corey Anderson, all these guys, but like, it's not the fact that he lost to these guys. It's the fact that that same kind of erratic movement that I was seeing those faints, he wasn't doing all that stuff that I like to see now. Did his head explode after those knockouts? Possibly. I mean, I mean, I remember when that article came out that during the week of the Corey Anderson fight, you know, he, he, he wasn't even hanging out with his coaches. He was bringing girls up to the hotel. I mean, you got to understand sometimes that 50 K curse when these guys get those bonuses, sometimes they lose their minds when they've never seen money like that in their lives. So hopefully now he's a bit more humble. Another red flag. He trains at that gym SBG Ireland with the New York times bestselling author as his, as his coach. So that's another red flag. But the thing with Maheta Santos is that, you know, he he had the ACL surgery after the John Jones fight. And I kind of feel like he hasn't looked the same either. Not to mention, Tiago Santos is getting upwards of 40 years old. So he's getting up there in age. So so both guys haven't been the same since their surgeries. I mean, Johnny Walker with the shoulder surgery, Maheta with the, with the ACL surgery. I haven't seen the same guys. And then Johnny Walker, I mean, from time to time when this guy gets hit, um, you know, you'll start flopping around like a fish. <laughs> You're like, what the hell is going on? And it, it, it's like one of these things where if he hits you, he gets carried away. He starts charging you with his hands down. Then he gets clipped once. But one thing I'll say is, is um, Walker's got heart, man. I mean, he tries to get back up every time he gets clipped hard. It's just the durability isn't exactly where you want it to be. Um, but the thing is that you know, Tiago isn't exactly Mr. Durable either. Tiago's actually been finished. He's been knocked out as many times as Johnny Walker, and he's been finished an additional, I believe, three times via submission. And some of those times he got dropped into the submission like the Cesar Mutanch fight. So it's not exactly like uh, Tiago Santos is, you know, the man of steel or anything like that. He's got the hammer on his chest because he's a great hammer and a terrible nail. So I kind of view this as a fight as who's going to land first. Um I do kind of think that Johnny Walker leaves more openings, but I also think that Johnny Walker is a bit more dynamic. So this is a tough one because it's like if I pick Johnny Walker here and then he gets knocked out in the first round, it's just not going to look good. But at the same time, he comes out here, lands one of those head kicks, one of those Air Jordan flying knees, a nasty elbow in the clinch. I mean, I can see him knocking out a... you know, <laughs> knocking out uh, Tiago Santos too. So this fight could go either way. It's about who lands for us. Just what I don't want is for them to have a Brazilian respect fest where they kind of stare at each other. They high five, they hug. You land a technique, then I land a technique. Then we high five. Then we then we point to the crowd, you know, the, the 1.5K people in the apex to make some noise. Then we start woo in the middle of the fight. As long as they're not doing no bullshit like that, as long as they're coming out here and throwing the kind of heat that I know they're capable of, someone's going to hit the deck. So it seems like Tiago is the more technically proficient guy, but I mean, don't get, don't, don't get it twisted. He can get into street fighting mode too. He can get into brawling mode, into sloppy mode too. Look at that Jimmy Manua fight, man. I mean, you'll fight with his hands down too. And he'll let you down from time to time too. Y'all remember when he was a big favorite against Dave Branch, then he fought him with his hands down and got knocked out in the first round. Y'all remember the Eric Spicely fight when he was the biggest uh, favorite on the card, got choked out in the first round. So, I mean, it's not like Tiago is a lock here. Um, and Johnny is definitely not a lock. So I really don't know what to expect except someone hitting the deck. So give me the underdog. Give me Johnny Walker to knock out Tiago Santos, but 
don't quote me on it because I mean it's one of these things where either guy can hit the deck. I, I'm just praying that it's the violent uh, fight that I'm expecting. So I'm gonna take Johnny Walker via knockout, but could could just as easily be a Tiago Santos knockout. And I also want to say that you know Tiago and Yana. Last few fights, they both look like they don't give a shit. You know, I'm not not reading into too many narratives because that could all change. One good camp, one you know bout of focus, and all of a sudden you're back to your former self. But since the surgery and and now he's got a baby on the way, almost 40 years old, I'm questioning the motivation. At least I know Johnny Walker's motivated. But goddamn, I wish Johnny Walker could take a punch. I wish Johnny Walker wouldn't flop around like a dead fish every time he gets hit. Right. So I don't know. It could go either way. I'll take Johnny Walker via knockout. So I'm going to get to the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. Y'all ask me some question. Um, Alain De La Cruz says fight doesn't get to the end. I mean, I highly doubt it, man. Five rounds with those two. I mean, as long as they're fighting characteristically, right? If they fight uncharacteristically, then it might go the distance. You know, maybe it could be a five-round striking where I just think with the durability on both sides that, and, and the power coming on both sides that most likely someone's getting someone's going to hit the deck. Um, Gerwin says Tiago hasn't been knocked down at 205, right? He hasn't been knocked down at 205, but he's also a 500 fighter at 205. So, and there's also a first for everything. So let's see. Um, Abu Dhabi says Nico and Cowboy look great. They don't look like they're just here to collect a check. No, I think both guys genuinely enjoy fighting. You know what I mean? So yeah, I don't think that they're, uh, collecting a check either. Cam L said, wear Shaq, hit the pause button, go listen to the last episode, UFC 266, listen to the first 10 minutes, and then come back here and join me again. Um, Dylan said, Johnny Walker's injured himself celebrating. Durability is not his strength. Uh, you're not going to get an argument from me on that one, man. Um, I think we got some dudes speaking in German here. I mean, I can speak Spanish, but I can't speak German, so you're going to have to translate that for me, my man. Um, my boy said, I'm on fire today. I truly appreciate that. Fat and thin said, I actually shave my face with my ball trimmer from Manscaped. It works very well. I'm sure it does work very well, but if you use the code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping, you know, save yourself some money, get that free shipping. You ain't going to have to worry about those problems and you're not going to have to make any expl any explanations to nobody. Don't don't explain nothing to nobody. You know what I'm saying, my man? Um, let me see what else y'all got. Zaire said, is Carl Hosa still fighting? Yeah, Carl Hosa still fighting. The only fight that I got... Uh, you know, canceled is um, the Aspen Lad fight. So, yeah. 420 said Lima versus MVP pick. I already talked about it. Uh, I'm biased. I mean, Lima's from ATL. He's helping out some of my guys right now. So, you know, I'm not going to come out here and disrespect him and pick against him. But I, I do think that the fight has the potential to be a lot closer than the first one. But let's see. But, yeah, of course I'm going to root for ATL zone. And, you know, Lima has always been such a cool guy to me when I run into him at the NFC events or if I've seen him in the gym from time to time. Um, both Lima brothers, super cool guys. I mean, just humble and just really nice. Just I like them a lot as people. So, yeah, there's bias there. So, yeah, I'm going to pick Lima, but I don't got to bet on it. Uh, I, tr I usually try not to bet when bias is involved, usually, right? Um, Alan says, man, I really want Walker to win, but Maheta is the more experienced fighter. Yeah, I mean, you're right. He is the more experienced fighter. He's also the older fighter. He's also closer to 40 years old, but he is the more experienced fighter. You're right about that. I'd say arguably he's the better fighter. So, I mean, it's just – really, who's going to get caught first? Both these guys throw – sledgehammers uh, one guy's name the fucking uh 
the hammer, right? Uh, I mean, both guys throw nukes. Both guys throw to kill. So someone's going to most likely hit the deck. My boy Marcus Williams, Nubian Bookstore, says, enjoying the show. Keep up the good work. Yeah, y'all check out my boy Marcus Williams with the Nubian Bookstore. If you go back to my Ryan Spann versus Anthony Smith uh, fight breakdown, I was wearing, uh, I was repping his shirt, which, man, has been a hit around ATL. They're like, they're like, what do you know about the Nubian Bookstore? I was like, oh, I know all about it. So. You know what I'm saying, Marcus? I'm about to come down there and visit you, you know, maybe buy a couple books, uh, take a picture and, you know, bring some friends with me too. Uh, maybe after Jared Gooden fights um, Randy Brown next weekend, we can both come in or, you know, bring in Jamar Whitehead, bring in Robert Hale, Nathan Williams. Uh, you know what I'm saying? 420 says, Nubian Bookstore equals Goat Bookstore. You, you already know, dude. I mean, you said it best. I don't got to say anything else. I mean, it's just, you can't argue with facts. You can't argue with science. So it is what it is. All right. Fight to watch for UFC Vegas 38. I mean, listen, it is Nico Price versus Alex Oliveira. It is Johnny Walker versus Tiago Santos, but I'm going to go with something a little different. I'm going to go with Devante Smith versus Jamie Malarkey. Look, you got this kid in Devante Smith who's got all the physical tools. He's got the power. He's got the look. He's got the charisma. I mean, I think that this kid could be a star, but then you got this junkyard dog, this gritty brutal journeyman and Jamie Malarkey who's not going to give you an inch who's going to come out here and try to fight to the bitter end and it is just super tough to deal with so for that reason Devante Smith versus Jamie Malarkey is my fight to watch and my fighter to watch is Kevin Holland I mean this is a guy who listen he's paid his dues I mean he's a guy that'll come out here take short notice fights in main events against top five guys I mean you got to respect the balls on him man um truly one of a kind and truly a guy you want to root for. And um, I, I'm just happy that he's back and I want to see what he's been working on and let's see what happens, man. So I, I'm excited to see that Kevin Holland's my fighter to watch. So now it's even though I've been answering questions this whole time, let's answer a couple more questions. If anyone wants to hop in here with me and ask me a question one-on-one -on -one, or you want to grill me about something, you want to call me out, you want to do this, you want to do that, you just want to talk, you need some life advice, whatever the case may be, now's your chance. I'm actually going to post the link to join this uh, right here in the chat. Just do me a favor. Just don't waste my time. You know what I'm saying? But there's the link to join. So if someone wants to join, let's see what y'all got. But in the meantime, I'm going to answer the questions from the chat. So Alan De Cruz said... How's my Hetas record since John Jones fight? He was seriously injured. Um, he's he's lost every fight since he lost to Glover and he lost to uh Rockic. The Glover fight, he had some moments. Now you could say on one hand he looked good at times, but you could also say he wasn't kicking in that fight. And Glover has an act for getting rocked early and then coming back and winning. You know, for example, the fight um with Carl Roberson, the fight with Iwan Kutalaba, and then most recently the Tiago Santos fight. So you could say that. And then the Rockage fight, he kind of just looked a little bit disinterested. Maybe now he's going to perform at his best, that he's had a couple more fights to get his feet wet after the injury. But I'm under the inclination that, you know, almost 40 years old, coming off the ACL surgery, lost the title fight. Like, what else is there? Oh, shit, we got my boy Abu Dhabi in the house. What's up, my man? ¿Qué tal, amigo? ¿Cómo te va? Oh, hello again. You said? Uh, muy bien, man. I got a got a question. I always wondered, man. So when you get these bonuses, right? When you're, uh, you know, you got to sign a bonus uh, on the books. Um, what's your opinion on the best way to use those bonuses? You know what I mean? Like when you got free plays. 
Yeah. So firstly, the thing you got to do, my man, is you got to really look at the fine print because they're going to try to get you on these rollovers where it's going to be like 60 right. time rollover, 100 time rollover. So it might take you forever to make it up before you can even get a payout. And then by that time, if you're just gambling in a degenerate manner, you might lose all your money. You might never get to take anything out. So you got to be very careful. Honestly, personally, besides the prize picks one, which they're just matching a hundred bucks, no big deal. I like that. But for actual books and make sure you will use that code battle for uh prize picks to get that, that deposit match. But for all these books, you got to be super careful, man, because if you're not, if you're not out here being cautious, you're going to run through your bankroll and then you're not going to be able to withdraw anything. So personally, I wouldn't fuck with the bonuses because you have to read that five that fine print. Like I said, man, um, <laughs> these rollovers could be a hundred time rollover, and it's that shit will fuck you, man. So you got to be very careful doing that. For sure. I mean, I'm such a degenerate. There's no problem with that. It ain't going nowhere. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna hit that rollover real quick. You know what I mean? But yeah. But what what like in terms of strategy for myself, I like to use it like um, if I'm gonna say if I like a play, and there's a lean, I'll put the free play on that. Or if I like Thiago Santos, but I, you know, I'm going to maybe go double with the free play to sort of boost up the play. How do you think is the best way to use free plays, you know? Yeah. I mean, like you said, I mean, there's a difference between a free play and a rollover, right? I mean, if it's just a free play, you know, just go ahead, use that free money on on what you think, uh, where you have that edge, where you have that value and take advantage of it. What I was referring to is read the fine print, make sure there's yeah, no hundred no. time rollover, you know? So there's two, those are two different things we're talking about. So yeah. Absolutely. You know? Cause I, for me, it's like either you want to use the free play on something that you know may not hit, but for me, I think is use it towards your leans cause you still want it to hit. So if you're going to use it in just a, like a lotto ticket, you know, first of all, a lot of books won't let you, they'll, they'll have restrictions on how you use the free play, right? Like less than minus 200 or you can do like a 10 fighter parlay with a free play, things like that. Um, but, um, and then the other thing is, what do you think about last question, uh, for some of these books, like the, the more square books like FanDuel or, you know, well, I don't want to mention other providers. Sorry about that, man. Um, for these other square kind of books and they have these props where fight starts round two, fight starts round three versus just taking the over, you know, two and a half, which all the other books play. Do you think there's any edge? Is it a plus EV play to bet? fight starts round two or fight starts round three instead of just taking the over two and a half i mean firstly shout out to FanDuel because it used to be a case where like with with these props you could only get like ten dollars down on them so people would have to like create multiple accounts so that you know they'd be able to play multiple props and this and that but now with like FanDuel and and some other books like They've act, now that sports betting is becoming legal, now the limits have increased and you can actually go out there and get some money down. So times have changed. But to answer your question, I mean, it all depends on the specific play in the line. I mean, if you're talking about minus 500 doesn't start round two, what's the point of that? But you get plus money, you feel like there's an edge there. Okay, take advantage. So every every spot is, is completely different. You got to take it on a case-by-case basis. Awesome, man. Thanks. Keep up the good work, brother. Hey, I appreciate you, my man. You have a good day, all right? See ya. It's my boy Abu Dhabi hopping in. Uh, my boy 420 pick says uh, betting on winners is the best way to use the free play. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Rob Gravely said, how do you create multiple accounts with one social security number? I'm not going to answer that on there. All I'm going to say is you got to get creative. But there are uh, there are ways to do that. Uh, and trust me, 
Trust me when I say there are ways to do that. All right. Any other questions? Anybody else want to hop in here with me? Ask me something. Now's the time. Link, if you scroll up in the chat, is there. Brett Z said Lima MVP. I've already covered that twice. I'm rooting for ATL zone. Um, yeah, but if y'all don't got anything else for me, I'm just going to scroll up to see, make sure I didn't miss anything. Cause like sometimes like the way this chat works is like, sometimes I'll just like miss a question or two and, and then like, I'll be looking back at it and be like, oh man, I wish that I answered that question. Cause it was a really good question. So just looking back through everything. Um, I truly appreciate y'all being here. I hope y'all had a blast. I hope y'all do me a favor, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Um, share this, retweet it. All that goes a long way, man. I mean, you know, this is my third episode back since I beat COVID. So you took like over a month off, right? So, you know, I got to let people know that half the battle is back. Half the battle is taking over and I'm here to stay, baby. And also, you know, I made a bunch of announcements on the last two episodes. If you haven't heard them, go listen to the first 10 minutes of the last two episodes. But I got more announcements coming up about how I'm going to expand half the battle, new things I'm going to do. Now, granted, the fight breakdown show, like what you're listening to now, me previewing every card start to finish, that's going to remain. That's going to stay. That's not going anywhere. You got nothing to worry about in terms of that. But I am thinking about adding a couple things and, you know, just do, doing more is what I got to say. Doing more. I'm going to just leave it at that. And when it's time to announce something, it'll be time to announce something. But just know that uh, I got some big plans for, for half the battle coming up here in the future. All right. So. Last last call for questions. And uh, it looks like that's it. All right. So, guys, thank you so much for joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle. Johnny Walker versus Tiago Santos going down Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Uh, retweet this and share it on Twitter or whatever social media you use. I truly, truly appreciate you guys being here with me, for me. It means a lot to me. Thank you so much. Um, truly mean it from the bottom of my heart. Make sure you all subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. Um, our sponsors, Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com. Use that promo code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. And then Prize Picks. Make sure you'll try it out. I mean, Prize Picks, like I said, they're changing the fantasy sports game. You can combine sports, you can do the whole bit. Click the link in the description or go to uh, pricepicks.com and use my code BATTLE for um, an 100% deposit match up to $100. Follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks and Half the Battle HQ. I will be back next week for the next card. Thank you guys again so much. And until the next time, let's cash these bets. <laughs>